0: friends, it's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's, Let's start, start the show. Welcome, um, listener, <clears throat> to the last best conversation where we're going to be talking about guns today. We're going to dig right into the, um, the topic du jour that's uh, on everyone's mind. And we were lucky enough to, um, so we went to BHA. We I met Ben O'Brien. Maybe you met him for the first time. Ryan and then uh, we got to talking about his new podcast that got me interested in listening to Woodside Ben O'Brien's podcast I saw that there was one on gun rights and I didn't recognize your name Ryan but my last name is Ryan so maybe I have I have an instant kinship with you um, and so I listened to the episode and I was just it was really interesting you know the, uh, your perspective the fact that you wrote a book about it um, and then I did read the book um, so I I guess I'll have a few questions about that. But then I listened to another one of Ben O'Brien's podcasts with uh, Sagar from Breaking Points. And he kind of had a counterpoint to a couple of your ideas. So maybe we can get into that a little bit. So sure. um, well,
1: sure. I think we need to build it a little bit more too. that. Um, Joe over here uh, hasn't been in the world of guns at all until just a few weeks ago we've been in the process of introducing him into the outdoors and hunting and, um, things like that. But I mean, living in Montana a lot in your life, like you kind of are around guns, but essentially you've done like, uh, (laughs) I don't know, a a freshman in college kind of level of, of research into the gun world. I mean, even at BHA, you were even looking at M 16s, like, you know, all of this stuff into manufacturers and then, uh, that's what actually the real like draw into the that podcast with Ben O'Brien was like yeah. research into the gun world, mm-hmm. um, just because we we had conversations and and Joe was leaning towards an M16. He's a prior vet, and uh-huh. he's comfortable with that gun. And and mm-hmm. I had made a comment to him saying, "Well, you're kind of sending a sing- signal if that's the gun you get going from kind of a left leaning." Uh, non hunter, non yeah. hunter guy, straight to an M sixteen. Like you're kind of you're kind of saying something, and he's like, "Well, I need to research this
0: cause- yeah. I'd never heard of that because I'm not I'm gun gun adjacent. You know, I, all my friends mm-hmm. have guns. I've heard about it, but I've never really heard about the um, that that rift in the in the hunting society or the gun culture society. You know, so there's the the bolt action rifle guys kind of against the AR-15 guys, you know, the black rifle guys. And that's something that you kind of touched on in your book. And I was like, whoa, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not a gun guy. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, my personality is not gun centric. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing as a, as a vet that I, you know, I, I picked up an AR-15 and I was like, oh, I of feel like cleaning this thing this thing is something that i'm really comfortable around so for me not knowing anything else my initial reaction is like maybe i'll get this gun okay so i would feel safer um and i even in the back of my mind though i thought well i probably wouldn't be walking around town with it or have it in my car you know i don't want people seeing me with this because it does look kind of aggressive so, but that was it. Like that's my someone who's not in that sort of conversation. I'm not. have not purchased a gun before. Um, that's it. so it was weird, you know, to come in from that that side of the conversation, which is totally uninformed, just trying to participate now. But I want to do so um, in a way that's going to be responsible. You know, I've. I mean. Um, my, my wife is like, kind of like, oh, I don't know about guns. I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable around them. And so I've had to be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trained and you know, this is America. And we just kind of had those initial talks of I kind of want to go hunting. The pandemic kind of made me like, oof, I don't know if we're going to have food sources and I don't trust my neighbor over here. Now everyone's buying a gun and I don't want to be the only one without a gun. So then to hear you, um, read your book and, um, hear that, Maybe I was then, I got caught up in the whole, even though I wasn't part of the gun conversation, I guess I was, because just like a lot of people in our country during the pandemic, I was one of them that was like, man, I'm going to look into getting a gun. I've not thought that before, ever since I got out of the military in 2003, I was like, eh, guns, there, there's plenty of them around, and there's good good guys with guns, I don't really need to worry about it. So here we are now I'm in my forties wanting to get into, um, hunting, but wanting to do so responsibly. And that's when I stumbled onto this whole conversation. And, um, and then I think I had, I had a memory of seeing you on Trevor Noah. So, so I believe your book came out, uh, in December. Has it been about six months that your, your yeah, book got? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh, in October, I think that was, yep. um, Okay. And so that that so I love Trevor Noah. I like The Daily Show. And so I think that it kind of you know clicked in my memory banks that maybe you were on there. And so I went and I uh, I rewatched that, and um, it's it's all been very interesting. So I'm really happy that we're um, really really excited to talk to you, Mr. Ryan Boosie, So if anybody, anyone is listening, um, knows who the heck we're talking about. Uh, author of Gunfight, um, and also former gun executive for Kimber, which is a well known gun manufacturer, but I, I'd never heard of them. Sorry. (laughs) There you go.
2: There's the lead on you.
0: Okay. So, um, so since then, so what do you, I mean, I mean, I guess we just need to, I tried to do my best to give you a good uh, introduction, but now I kind of want to, I'm kind of curious as to what has life been like now? I mean, because you basically wrote a book in the fall that has been dealing with the, the the hot topic now. And so what, what are the kind of conversations that you're running into?
2: Um, well I've had you know, I don't know how many I'm losing track of. Mm-hmm. Well you crazy when CNN calls you and says you now have a permanent um you now have a permanent personalized link for CNN shows. Mm-hmm. Um, MSNBC's done the same. So um you you can guess what my life has been like. Um Yeah, yeah. I um interestingly enough, when I wrote the book, um we were worried uh, as a family because of some of the topics I discuss in the book. Um, some of the truths I discuss in the book that we would, that we would experience um, quite a large measure of negative feedback. Some of it potentially um, violent or, um, you know, that sort of thing physically or online trolling or, you know, any of the stuff that could possibly pop up Mm -hmm. um, extremists. And there's been uh, a little bit of that, uh, but the scales have been precisely the opposite from what I anticipated. Instead of um, like a hundred to one trolling to praise, It's been a hundred to one praise to trolling Um, many, many, like thousands. Like I can't keep track of them. I can't keep up with them. Um, Gun owners, people who have gun owners in their family, um, just concerned citizens, um, some progressive lefties, but tons of centrist and center right people basically saying, thank you for writing this. I can't take it anymore. I'm a gun owner, but I'm not a gun owner like that. This is tearing apart our country. I can't. I just can't do this somebody has to stand up and and tell the truth about this craziness like it just goes on and on and Mm -hmm. you know like or my dad slipped in off the deep end and I never understood why thank you for writing this book now I get it or um 85 percent of people support universal background checks but we can't we can't seem to get it passed now Mm -hmm. I understand why like Mm -hmm. and so um I guess it's you you write a book like this And for anybody who hasn't written a book, I can tell you right now, you don't write it to get rich. Um, You write a book like this because you want to make a difference. You want to tell a story that makes a difference. And um, it certainly feels to me that that's happening.
0: Well, that's awesome. Um, And to that conversation, um, when I was listening to Sagar, uh, one of the hosts, Sagar and Crystal host uh, Breaking Points, Um, on, I guess, YouTube, you guys can go check that out, but he was mentioning, um, I don't think he was speaking directly a counterpoint to what you were saying about how dangerous, uh, yeah, about how dangerous and powerful the NRA is. And what Sagar's point was, is like, they're not, you know, that's a, that's a, he doesn't, he doesn't think they're powerful at all. You know, he's, he's, actually, he's actually thinking, he said um, on Ben O'Brien's podcast, he was like, you know what, even talking about them is a waste of time because they're so, you know, La Pierre has been caught in some crimes. You know, people aren't believing them as much. So, you know, they haven't been, they haven't been um, dangerous for four or five years. So, um, but, I mean, uh, Sagar is, is a different type of person. Like, he lives in uh, Washington, D.C. He has a journalism background. And he, he actually, he thinks of it as more of a class war. You know, it's it's rich people against um, not rich people, and so the the rest of this conversation is just kind of um, I don't know about this. I it. think there's a
2: seed. Of, I think there's a seed of truth in his assertion about mm-hmm. the degree to which the NRA is organizationally robust or powerful as they um, once were, mm-hmm. as they once remade uh, our politics. Certainly in the time period between about 2005 or six to about 2000, let's say 17 or 18 mid. Um, Mid-Trump administration time—that mm-hmm. um, was when they were at the apex of their organizational power. Since then, of course, um, many news reports have spilled into the open, mm-hmm. exposing what many of us knew from from the beginning, which is just a big money-making grift operation um, yeah, to yeah. fool people into to, to fool people into voting against their own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Where I completely disagree with him is that it really doesn't matter about the degree to which the NRA itself is organizationally powerful anymore mm-hmm. the politics that they have let upon the country mm-hmm. is ultimately powerful it is nraism that is here now and if you doubt me we both we all live in montana mm-hmm. um, do you really have any doubt about the degree to which a friends of nra banquet would be um, stuffed to the gills with attendees in places like we live with um, with people who don't really give a shit what he said about the nra Mm. We know it would be packed. I've yeah, seen yeah. it. I'm in Calistar. So yeah. I think there I think there is a coastal detachment mm. from the reality that's going on in quote unquote flyover country about the degree to which the politics of the NRA have overtaken so much of our lives.
0: That's interesting because it's like they've they've started some sort of wildfire of negativity. Um, in, in this culture war and when you compare it with a country like um, Switzerland who has the second highest gun ownership percentage to not gun owner percentage in the world um, and who have had one mass shooting in 2012 and then nothing since um, so they're, they're kind of propped up as an argument <clears throat> but when I was looking actually as the, at the country I, I, I was like it's kind of a confusing argument because Switzerland um, is like everyone has to serve in the military like, so we don't have that here um, and
2: and, and yeah, in Switzerland, yeah. you have to go through, um, I think it's biannual or every three years, you have mm-hmm. to renew your firearms, education classes, safety classes yes. extensively. There's extensively. T- tons if of If that laws. were proposed in the United States, the NRA would have three kittens and two cows in about five seconds. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's not, it, that's comparing complete apples and oranges.
0: Yeah, it is, and and uh, the, I think even on a I don't know if it was a Daily Show or another Comedy Central thing, one of those types of guys went over there and was like, well, what's this like? What's this culture like? And he put on one of the um, the bulletproof vests, and one of the attendees came over, just a nice young gentleman, was like, hey, why are you why are you wearing a pussy vest? What's what's that for? And he's like, oh, well, I mean, there's guns, people are shooting. He's like, um yeah, no, no one here, you're not going to get shot at this gun event. There's never, ever been anyone injured. Uh, we're all about safety. We're we're kind of like the opposite of you Americans. And he's like, oh. So it was yep. really, it's just, um, it, it's interesting, because I've heard the, the, the Switzerland argument as well. And I thought, oh, well, that's a pretty good argument, until you realize that, yeah, you can have a country like that with twice as many laws, and everyone has to serve in the military. Let's try that. <laughs> Let's yeah. see how it works. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's 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 the fallacy here is that um and 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 i should stipulate up front for the listeners who don't know Mm. Um, i spent 25 years in the firearms industry i sold a couple million guns i'm Mm -hmm. proud of the company i helped build i'm proud of the guns that we sold and that i helped design and that i and i and that i helped market i don't know how many guns i own um i hunt and shoot with my boys and by myself every chance i get Mm -hmm. so um if anybody wants to label me as anti-gun, I kind of say, well, OK, bring it. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. Let's compare. Let's compare resumes. And, and um, I, I I will I, I'm guessing not going to be a lot of listeners to this podcast. that are going to have a gun resume like that. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, l- l- let's roll. So for those who want to claim that somehow my uh, advocacy for responsibility and decency and being a part of the solution instead of part of the problem is somehow anti-gun. Well, I think that says a lot more about you than it does about me.
1: Yeah, because I think that's one of the biggest problems we have right now is as soon as you, you know, it's the old argument of it. Well, it's what we've always done. But as soon as you start saying, hey, maybe we need to do a, a few little steps to make people more responsible or to help people achieve more responsibility, you're attacking the very root of everything that they stand for as an American. Mm-hmm. It, like, right. if There's no like, hmm. there's no... um mature conversation that happens it doesn't well, feel that's like
2: because it's been it's been woven in as as i assert in my book mm-hmm. the politics of the nra are the politics of the gop and the right and they are part of identity politics and as far as um this is what we've always done and or my grandpa's always like okay let, let me let me insert a few um, bullshit alerts here um <laughs> In 1992 or 3, as the first assault weapons ban was considered, the assault weapons ban that was in place for 10 years, um, there were about 3, 3.5 million guns sold every year. And for all intents and purposes, virtually none of them were what we would consider as assault weapons bans. I mean, we're talking a few tens of thousands, right? I mean, mm-hmm. almost none. Um, we now live in a country where as many as 25 million guns are sold every year, so almost a tenfold increase. And... A country where as many as three to nine million of those are assault weapons, Mm -hmm. are AR-15s, are are highly modified, what anybody would label as assault weapons. So to say, well, it's always been this way. No, it hasn't always been this way. Mm -hmm. Things have changed dramatically. And we can either be a country that changes and keeps up with that and wants to maintain freedoms but understands it must involve responsibility Mm -hmm. or we're not. It's a simple choice.
1: Mm. Yeah, because I remember you know I got out of the military back in 2007, and the, the first thing was oh I kind of want an M16 because that's what I've had for the last sev- several years. It was hard to fi- even kind of find one. There, were, you there weren't find
2: them. there were there were one or two companies that made them. Now there are 500 companies that make them. Right. And and I'm not and I'm not here to argue to to castigate the AR-15, the thing, the gun. I understand both of you guys have some affinity to it. Mm-hmm. I've shot them. I understand that. It's it's, it's an inanimate object. <laughs> what I am here, what I am here to castigate is this weird fetishization, this, the way manhood and this faux patriotism has been wrapped up into owning and brandishing and bumper stickering. I mean, I mean, you know, I heard earlier on, like, I don't know if I want to get this because, you know, it kind of sends a message. And if I flash it around, like people will understand, like I'm kind of trying to be intimidating. Yes, that's what reasonable people think. (laughs) Unreasonable people people think they want to strap it on their chest and walk downtown and scare kids with it. Yeah, that's what we've got way too much of.
1: Yeah, because like Open Carry used to be, you know, the the older gentleman, maybe retired police, uh, a Vietnam vet that just felt more protected. And he had a holster and maybe it was under even his jacket. Like you didn't even really notice. Some of them maybe had them because they had a short sleeve T-shirt on and you could see it. But now, open carry stands for like I want a tactical sling attached to my M4 carbine, and like, and it's not this walk old, downtown.
0: It's not this old no, kindly no, gentleman it's that <laughs> young
1: people that have no training with that gun. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, little shift aside sure. from like some YouTube videos.
2: Yeah, no, that and that, it's one of the arguments that I make, or or you know, discussions that Ben and I have had, or so many people have had, like. Mm-hmm there is this, uh, component of radicalization that's well known that, that requires victimization. You must first believe that your community is under attack for you to be radicalized. And so what the NRA did very effectively is said the entire community is composed of all gun owners. And even if those gun owners are really irresponsible, AR 15 pseudo domestic terrorists, they're still us. We still must protect them because the evil liberals are coming to attack us. Um, that's what they have imposed across kind of the gun-owning public, and, and, mm. um, and they've, they've sent the message that the gun-owning public is monolithic. And the point that I make is that we are not going to exist as a country. Our rights are not going to be maintained, and firearms ownership is not going to be, be viewed positively until we have the courage to stand up against mm. the bad components that we have let in. And people can say that's judgmental. They can, and you know what? I say, yes, it is. Welcome to being a decent citizen. Um, You don't walk into a bar and if somebody is doing whatever um, horrific, uh, you know, some sort of, I don't know, think of all the bad things that could go on in a bar or a frat party or whatever. You don't walk in and go, well, yeah, there's some guys or they're doing some bad stuff to a girl, but, you know, we're part of the frat. we got to go along with it. Hell no. You stand up and you take care of it Mm -hmm. or you walk out or you alert the officials. We have to do that as a gun community.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed that uh, something that uh, Sagar actually mentioned was that there's maybe he didn't mention it. I don't know. Sorry if I'm misquoting him, but he did. He mentioned something about the breakdown in trust. So, I mean, uh, we used to have, like, if you if you polled us, and I don't know who's doing the polling, I always get kind of nervous when someone says, oh, there was a poll. So in, in the 80s they said that there was a much, you know, more than half of the people in the United States were they trustful of their government. And now it's like under 20%. Like, most most of us are very untrustworthy of our government, and maybe for different reasons. And I'm wondering if that's by design. And, and now that, you know, we're all kind of, we got our guns, we don't trust anybody, we're trying to feel safe, and no one feels safe. I'm wondering if this is just the natural swing back to be like, okay, guys, we've been scared. We got our guns. Nothing's really happening, but we've got a mass shooting per day with kids. We need to figure this out. So how, how are we going to, um, rebuild trust and what type of conversations are you trying to have to do that?
2: Well, um, I mean, I think that's an important part of this, the right in America, including, um, and including the NRA, if not led by the NRA had a goal to break down trust and belief in government mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Mm. They started pointing to every every little faux pas, some justifiable, some not. They magnified the bad, never talked about the good. People like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and institutions like um, the Koch brothers and everybody else got on board and so that they would break down, over time they would break down the trust in government as an, as an institution to do things for average people. Um, and to some degree, they have succeeded in their, in their, um, in their effort. The byproduct of that is that the logical byproduct of that is anarchy, um, or, or oligarchy, um, ask the Russians, the oligarchy thing ain't working out as good as they might think. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't have to be a genius to understand that anarchy ain't going to work out as good as you might think. Um, yes, there'll be a few people that run around heavily armed, Um, shooting the hell out of everybody and um, gaining all of the canned food for their bunker um, and they'll live without electricity and uh, everybody else will be dead. I mean, perhaps for a few people, if that may sound fun to me, it sounds like not the sort of place I'd like to live in. So, I mean, I don't know why we work towards that instead of towards respecting government, making it work better, understanding that it is imperfect, but it is the thing that we must build in order to have a civil society, when the founding fathers landed here, they didn't say, gosh, we're here. Let's not build a government. Mm-hmm. No. The very first <laughs> thing they did was we're here. Let's build a government. Mm-hmm. So government is at the very core of what our American civil society is. It is the most patriotic thing that we can protect. This idea that we should castigate it and tear it down at every turn. That's just Bullshit, unpatriotism. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's bad news.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, and and um, speaking about and and when we're trying to like get through these these confusing conversations and trying to make find middle ground for with the let's say the other side, whatever side you're on, um, one of the ones that uh, I noticed is. Um, so when when we say, let's do some common sense, that word common sense lights a fire in people's minds, and they're like, well, well actually, what you're saying is, take my guns. So anything, anything that the a, a left-leaning or a Democrat would say um, the, the right is just, they're, they're hearing, well, no, you're, you're just being, you're trying to be smart and trick me into signing something or voting on something that's actually going to take away my guns, which I think is at the heart of what you really want to do. So what do you say to someone that's like, just trying to like pigeonhole you into that and, and say, no, no, I, I really am just trying to have a conversation and save some kids and have some responsible gun ownership.
2: Um, very difficult for me to have a conversation with those sorts of people in point, because it is so incredibly conspiratorial and detached from reality mm-hmm. in the same way that QAnon conspiracies are. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you a few talking points that seem to be somewhat effective. And it's first, I think it's useful to pull yourself out of, to pull yourself out of the topic that has everybody so riled up. So mm-hmm. let's just get off of guns for a second. Let's talk about something else.
0: Okay.
2: I value, um, I value the freedom of vehicle travel and, um, having my cars and my trucks and driving across town and going hunting with them and whatever else that, the freedom of movement and freedom of commerce and everything else that's wrapped into having a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't value it so much that I think it's okay to drive through town through a 25 mile an hour school zone going 90 miles an hour, just because I'm late to get to the grocery store or I'm out of coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that I don't value that so much is because one, I'm not a fool. Two, it's irresponsible, and I value live kids a lot more than I value dead kids. I don't get back home and say, oh, those those anti-freedom government idiots, they made me go 25 miles an hour through a school zone. I'm going to protest, and I'm going to have red hats that have a slogan on them, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell my family that the government's evil. And I'm going to vote for anybody that hates school zones Mm -hmm. and on and on and on and on. coming
0: to take our cars.
2: Right. And nobody says, gosh, I had to go 25. By next week, I won't even have my truck anymore. Mm -hmm. Nobody has said that. (laughs) It's a slippery slope once
1: they start putting up speed limit signs. And
2: honestly, if they did, you would look at them and say, dude, get off the meds or Mm -hmm. get a straight jacket. You're nuts. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, There is nothing anymore... (laughs) There is nothing any more directly comparable to our gun debate than that scenario I just laid out. Mm. Everything is just as insane as somebody saying, I'm not doing that 25-mile-an-hour crap. I'm driving 100 miles an hour through the school zone. Watch this. You would lock them up. Mm. You would lock them up. That's true. Um, and, And here we are accepting the same sort of slippery slope, conspiratorial insanity from the right on guns. And it is insanity. And we just need to stand up and say it. Too many of us would go. Well, I know Bob believes that. I guess I'll talk to him later about it. No, it's insane.
0: (laughs) Bob, you're insane, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I could practice that. I got to practice. Here's the
2: main. Here's (laughs) the truth. We live in a complex democracy. The real debate isn't about whether we will have regulations and norms and where they are. Mm It's a it, it it. It's about where they will be. So these people that you're discussing tend to think that, um, this is some new thing. Like Mm -hmm. this, this regulation is something that's never happened. We live with reasonable regulation and norms every day. For instance, you can't own a fully auto gun without really extensive, um, tax stamps and background checks and everything else. That's why, um, out of all the mass shootings in the last 50 years, do you know how many have been propagated by fully auto guns, which are legal, by the way, but require this this tax stamp and, um, and background check? Exactly zero, not a single one. Hey. And so don't tell me that laws and regulations aren't accepted in society. There's one that we live with every day. No, nope. people don't run around saying... I wish little Susie could have fully auto Tommy guns. That's what America's all about. Nobody says that. And if they did, you would look at them like they're crazy. So this, don't tell me we don't live with regulation. We subconsciously accept it all the time. Mm-hmm. The question is just about, are we moving the line a little right, a little left, a little up, a little down, adjusting as society adjusts. It's not a radical thing. these The people that you talk about are positioning like this as some crazy new radical concept to regulate. We regulate every
0: day. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. We do. Um, let's see, what else can we ask? Oh, um, tell me a little bit about your wife and that that time in your life when she was like, "Hey, man, I know you, I know this is where you work, and I'm glad that that's happening, but I'm seeing s- some stuff in the news that's making me think. Like, what sort of conversations were you guys having? And and that could kind of inform Brian and I. I mean, we're, all three of us here have just like these amazing dynamic wives who we love and are just, you know, beautiful and intelligent. And sometimes we forget that we can um, use them as like, I mean, they are our North star. So how, how, you know, what type of conversations were happening when you were like entrenched in it, but then you had that voice going, Hey, this doesn't make sense. Does it?
2: Well, yeah. So, I mean, Sarah's a badass, right? Um, And um, Mm -hmm. she did help center me and she did help remind me of things that were, you know, askew that I maybe saw or, sort of experienced or sort mm-hmm. of new, but I didn't like, I, I didn't push them to the fore like I should have. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think we've probably all been there one year in the middle of trying, uh, especially guys, right. That's our kind of singular focus. Like I, I, I'm trying to build a company. I'm trying to build a life for my family. I, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I want to push the ugly stuff aside because that's just kind of a diversion from the task at hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, um, over time, to- it, when it wasn't so rampant in the industry and in our society, that was, it wasn't that hard to do. Mm-hmm. As as the industry and as our country became more radicalized in and around the industry that I was in, it became a lot, lot tougher to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, did she react uh, negatively or positively when you started um, or had a hand in starting the uh, the boycott boycott with Smith and Wesson when they tried to stand up and say, "Hey, maybe we could have some regulations," and the NRA was like, "No," was she like? Hey man, what are you doing? I think
2: she was very dubious and we were both young and (laughs) we were trying, we were trying to figure out our place, Mm. uh, you know, what we were all about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she probably looked at that thinking, I don't know if this is such a good idea, but we weren't, neither one of us were sort of, um, informed activists like we are now. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, you you know, you learn over time. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I look at back, I look back at that and, As I write in the book, there are certain components of that about which I am very, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but I'm very regretful. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain components of it that were more complex than kind of reported, right? Um, The the actual policies that were um, discussed in that Smith and Wesson settlement, some were good, some were like not very well thought out. Um, But the the politics of persecution and trolling and with us or against us that we now see as Mm -hmm. prevalent on the right and in Trumpism, Certainly originated, I think, at that point, and for that, I'm I'm very regretful.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing to me is that I'm I'm wondering like, what was it like in your life? Like you are like you said like you are just you are part of you're like the third or fourth vertebrae in the spinal cord that is the gun industry, and and then you I mean you you rose to prominence, <clears throat> like what <clears throat> with with a guy like you who loves what you love and were and was doing what you were doing and had the goals that you had. Was it a slow incremental shift or was there a day of like ugh, you know what I'm just I I got to I got to stop I got to stop this direction I'm on There was and a short move.
2: period of shift there was a short period of shift mm-hmm. um and it came in and around my advocacy for the environment and wild places in ah. the in the mid 2000s Yeah let's talk about uh, 2002 that. 3 4 when um the, the George Bush administration, George W. Bush administration, which had been sold to by the NRA and, and by the industry as a friend of hunters, um, friend of wild places, friend of the environment. Um, when when Dick Cheney, with his energy plan, started to um, propose essentially rototilling the last wild places that I hold very sacred, including the Val Vidal in New Mexico, the Rhone Plateau in Colorado, the Bachelor 2 Medicine here in Montana, I stood up and said, whoa, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it, I'm a hunter here, remember me? Um, Mm -hmm. You guys said that you're for hunters, like we were supposed to vote for this guy because he would save wild places and he would do the things that were important to hunters and um, newsflash here, but they're getting ready to do things that will disastrously impact wild places and wildlife populations and clean water and all the stuff we said we cared about. Remember, remember we talked about and they were kind of like turned a blind eye to me or, Mm -hmm. you know, deaf ear or whatever. I said, well, uh, OK, I'm going to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to do a press conference on this and tell everybody that this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I did. And um, and then the industry that I had been told and um, that they and they had told me, like, we're four hunters. Yeah. 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 Remember mm-hmm. uh, that, that's the that's what we're doing here. They stood up and tried to get me fired, mm-hmm. um, trolled me at the very highest levels, threatened my career 50 times. And I'm like, OK, I get it you guys were telling this story about being for hunters and for wild places. That's how you get people like me suckered into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm out. So oh. I stayed in the industry and did things my way and fought for what I knew was important. And what I had been told was important. And I fought against anybody who was going to tear that down. And that happened to be the very highest levels of the industry, the NRA, the national shooting sports foundation, politicians, uh, associated with that, and so I ended up being in an industry and trying to build a company that I was proud of, and at the same time trying to shred the the political power that the industry was building to upend the things that were most important to me personally.
1: And so, ex- executives of of rifle manufacturers and and all the people that you were surrounded with were were claiming to be for hunters, but really, I mean, what was what was the bottom line then? Like, what were they for? Well, night.
2: that's why that's why this growth in tactical market and AR-15s is so critical because they left the they left the things that are important to hunters behind, but they had a new market had to be developed, mm, and, so, and so and so here and so here we are now, where this new tactical, I must have guns in case the government comes to get me. Mm-hmm. I need guns to intimidate people. I need guns in case there's a race riot. I need like that's the new market, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and so so many of these companies that were once Um, that's why you see even the conversion of many hunting rifles to tactical rifles. They look like a sniper rifle more and more and more of them do They're long range sort of sniper ish rifles, tactically influenced rifles. It's because the traditional hunting market was not large enough. It didn't represent, you know, quote unquote enough growth for wall street. Right. Mm So you had to find new markets. It's not dissimilar from, um, the pharmaceutical industry that once did that once, you know, made drugs to control allergies or whatever. And they're like, wait a second though, this pain deal. Now that, now that we can make some money. At. Um, mm. ramp up this thing called oxy. Let's go. It's not, it's not exactly the same, but you see once you're, once you're pressured to find new markets, you sort of any morals that you once had, um, <laughs> they can be sacrificed for growth. Hmm.
0: So it and, seems like, yeah, yeah go, no, go ahead. Joe. It's just like for the money. You know, once once you do your job, you do it well, and then you're like, oh, no, nobody else to sell to. What do we do now, guys? And then the number one thing first is like, well, let's make money. Seems like always a bad way to start a plan.
1: Right.
2: And then different than any other industry that I've ever seen, that's all wrapped around a sort of nationalistic, almost religious type politics that justifies anything. Mm -hmm. That's the part of it that scares me. I, I, I really like... So I, I don't care if you have 50 AR-15s. I really don't. I don't care. I care if you buy them to intimidate kids. Mm-hmm. I care if you don't store them properly. Mm-hmm. I care if you do things that are irresponsible with them. I care if they become a symbol of intimidation that you run around town waving the thing. Like I care about all those things. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you own them. Um, and there's a conflagration now of the sort of message and things we must accept Um And the industry basically tells us, well, even if he goes downtown and waves them around and scares kids with them, he's still a gun owner. We need to say that's okay. And you know what I'm here to say? No, it's not.
0: Fair enough. Um, This is kind of an off the topic, but on the topic question. If I were to give you 800 bucks and talk you into going and buying a gun for me, what what would you come back with? Just a hunting rifle to hunt with in Montana. (laughs) Because I just um, you're a gun industry guy. If, so much.
2: if you're a, okay, so you're going to hunt in Montana. so assume yep. you're going to hunt like mule deer, antelope, elk. Yep. Um, yep. I would, so there are lots of really good um, small frame, lightweight mm-hmm. um, mountain, sort of mountain-ish rifles. And I, I'm a big, um, lightweight, small frame person. I, I want as small and light a gun as I can mm-hmm. to do the task I want to do because unless you're different than me, my hunting involves about 99.999% walking and hiking (laughs) and a very small portion of shooting. Um, and so it's the hiking and carrying part that is that really you do most with your gun. So I want it to be small and light. Um, I'm proud of the guns we made at Kimber. Kimber has several that fit that, um, since then, several other companies have come into that market. The Seiko gun is, uh, the Seiko mountain gun is really nice. Um, that gun's made in Finland. Um, Weatherby now has some lighter, smaller guns. So that I mean, generally that's that's a sort of gun I would recommend. And I would recommend it in a in a really a serviceable, run of the mill average cartridge, two seventy, thirty out six, something like that. Those cartridges with all the different loads that are available now mm-hmm. will do anything you need to do in North America. Mm-hmm. From a light hundred and thirty grain, you know, thirty out six bullet that is a great antelope gun. The same gun can be loaded in a 180 or a 210 bullet. That's a great moose gun, right? You could have one rifle, you could do all that stuff with
0: it. That's awesome. That might
1: be one of the better answers that you've gotten too, because he's been asking this question not like recording on the podcast, but just to just about everybody.
0: Yeah, I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was one of the the best answers I think you've gotten. It just hit me that he has so much experience with like <laughs> with rifles. And, you know, I was like, I might as well. And ask hey, him.
2: I I I love um. I, I love talking the gun stuff and I was in it and, um, the activities that I do with those guns are super important to me. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, it's, I hope you see, like, I'm not some fake dude that like, Oh, my grandpa gave me a gun one time. So I'm a gun owner. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I know this stuff. You
1: know? Well, that was going to be my follow up question to his kind of off topic question was, um, what's your favorite hunting gun? And two part question, how often now do you still get out to go hunting?
2: Um, I guess I, I, don't know if I should admit this or not. I hunted, uh, <laughs> just bird hunting last year. I bird hunted 62 days. Um, That's I don't, lot. I hunted, I hunted, uh, a lot of elk hunting and I didn't get an elk. So I'm a little bit frustrated about that. Mm. Um, I yeah. antelope hunted with my boys for three days. We deer hunted for lots of days. So these days are starting to add up. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. So there, oh, there's a lot of them. My favorite hunting gun, um, is actually, so I'm this double barrel nut. Like I like old double barrel bird guns, like light British bird guns. Cause they kind of fit into this category. Like I told you about with rifles where they're light, small frame, easy to carry. The Brits were very good at designing these bird guns that were easy to carry and hike around. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, like it's one of those things, like a hundred some years ago, they did this and we really, we think we're still improving on it, but we're really not like that old design is as good as it gets. Cool. So I have this old 1912 AH Fox, um, double barrel shotgun that was built here in the, in the United States. And then I restocked it, um, in the, in the shape of a a British classic British English stock, you know, straight stock, um, and it refinished it. So it's a 1912 first year production, 20 gauge gun. That's restocked with, with, yeah, I like, I like small frame guns, small gauge guns Uh and, um, and it's restocked with a nice piece of uh, English walnut. And I've carried that thing, I think, literally over many, many thousands of miles.
1: Mm. And uh, you're in the northwestern corner of our beautiful state. So yeah. what? what is your favorite? What, favorite? I hate that question. But you, you most often pursue, I'm assuming, upland bird and waterfowl with that?
2: I don't. I, I have... You know, waterfowl. You need to shoot steel or non-toxic through it, and so I don't shoot much waterfowl with it. I have mm. a little bit. Um, I, have, I have a couple other shotguns that I use. My, my kids love to hunt ducks. I'm not as big a duck guy, um, <laughs> but I love upland birds. So mountain grouse here, blues, um, ruffs. I like going east of the mountains, and I really, really, really love hunting huns and sharp tail, Um With I have three pointing dogs, so yeah, that's my passion. And I love big game hunting too. But like, if you made me choose one thing, you know, it, it would be the bird, bird dog, um, bird hunting.
1: Yeah, one one of my favorite guys that I get out in the outdoors with. Um yeah. We we go fishing throughout the entire year, then once hunting season starts, he goes bird hunting and I'm after big game, even though they don't completely overlap all the time. But he is always bird hunting and I'm I'm always for so we kind of split up throughout most of the year for that. Uh it's just kind of yeah. two different kinds of people. Yeah. What what yeah. kind of dogs do you have?
2: Uh two Britneys and a wire hair. Mm. Hmm.
0: Fantastic. I don't, I don't know what that means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's very impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at those bird guns. And the only thing I know about the bird guns at Shields, I, just, I don't know if I'm, I'm just going to call them bird guns. They look cool. They look classic. I was like, ooh, I want one of these. This looks vintage. But then I was thinking, yeah, get out of here. You don't know what you're doing. Go over there with the hunting rifles that are all camouflaged in black. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I I don't know I, you know, you, you guys know people who are into this stuff. They they get attracted to um, certain things, certain areas, uh, certain types of guns, and I just I just like those old classic English style bird guns. So that's that's kind of my gig, and I got. I've got lots of hunting rifles and I've got farmant rifles and I've got rimfire rifles and I've got handguns, but still like my, you asked what my favorite thing was. And, mm-hmm. right. and just so you know, Brian, like I, I hate the favorite question. I detest it. Yeah. Cause I like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have favorites really, right. mm. but, but on guns and hunting, I do have a favorite. So that <laughs> and
1: that, and that well, and maybe not even saying favorite, just what, which one do you find in your hands? Most, most often with, with some yeah. boots on as you're going out. And that, that's, that's 20 gauges. Yep, gauges yep, that. that's yeah. That's it. Yeah. The favorite question is silly. You know, my daughter asked me all the time, what's your favorite color? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It Depends. Are you talking about a car? Are you talking about a shirt? Yeah. You know. And so it's yeah. the same thing with the, the favorite. What's your, what's your favorite
2: cocktail? Do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Which,
1: whichever one you can make, sir. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah.
0: Um, jeez, I don't have any more questions. Yeah. No. I, I. don't going?
1: think. I don't think we're shooting for a certain amount of time here. What I do. What I do want to ask, though, I, just to kind of bring it back back around, is I feel. I feel step one you're handling really well (laughs) if 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 someone could could i don't know have a magic wand and say you know we just need somebody that that hunts that likes guns was a gun executive we need that person to stand up and say let's be more responsible i think that's step one honestly like have them write a book have them get on cnn msnbc and and start talking about what what the actual not the not the one to five percent of gun owners in, in america are but like the actual like hunting community what we actually feel because i i feel right with you I've, I've been hunting ever since i got out of the military that's what i've been doing my dad didn't take me hunting um ever and so i kind of i didn't have a mentor and and so i, I have a bolt action rifle and i just kind of i go out and walk and i appreciate being able to own guns i and like i said i, I wanted an m16 at one point but i found this this niche of hunting and so I don't have any desire to have an, an M16 except for the this, this state of nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Just going back to the military and feeling that in my hands again and, you know, blindfolded, taking it apart. Like, I can do all that stuff. But I don't think it fits my needs is what I need for a hunter to get in the outdoors and enjoy myself. It's a light, <laughs> light bolt-action rifle that I can hike around with. Uh, those M16s are mm-hmm. bulky. It, it doesn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I think this is step one. I think it's like, this is what we need. We need somebody that that has a a good background that that can articulate a point and is not yelling at everybody all the time um, to to maturely just just get this conversation out in the open. But what do you think is step two?
2: I think, um, you know, people like us have to start breaking and having the courage, not just, yes, to stand up and be an example, but we have to have the courage, as we discussed earlier, to start shouting down i hate to use that word because i don't want to you know Mm -hmm, i don't want to i don't want to turn into shouting matches but we've all been in lots of situations where we heard this sort of blind acceptance or propagation of stuff that we know is conspiratorial and wrong Mm -hmm. the the slippery stokes and we and we just let it pass Mm -hmm. and then it becomes lore and then all of our friends become believers and then it's just so you know they're going to take my guns thing right if you Mm -hmm. if you jumped in some of our friend groups and you just said that they'd be like oh yep you're right, they're they're going to take up. Like you get almost universal agreement because people like us haven't stood up and said it's untrue. So I think the second step is we have to stand up and say it's untrue. And I will say this, I believe that um, people like us are more pro-gun than the guys who claim to be pro-gun. And by that, I mean, we understand that living in a complex democracy with 350 million people in it, requires a delicate balance of freedom and responsibility. If any of our freedoms become so absolute and out of whack, it really runs the danger, it runs a a distinct danger of undoing our democracy and really undoing our civil society. And when that happens, none of our rights will exist. So I'm here to say I will do what it takes to maintain our rights, and that means being responsible, and that means making some sacrifices, and that means doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You people, meaning pejoratively here, You people are so blindly following this absolutist idea. You will grind the entire country up just for this thing. And then what will you have? Nothing. And so, like, if you want to maintain these freedoms, do what it takes. Be responsible, like be a part of civil society.
1: And yeah, so that's, that's the problem I've had over the last few years is I do want to have my gun rights mm-hmm. mainly so that I can go and enjoy the, my time in the outdoors, but I also hunt archery. So, you know, I can, I don't think they're going to take away shotguns. Uh, those are a little less, less dangerous. Um, but
2: Well, here's the deal. Nobody's taken away anything. Right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> but like, like yeah. in my mind, I'm like, okay, so, you know, whatever. But now like continuing on the path that I've been of just supporting the people that are going to make sure that I can still have this right to, to gun, to, you know, the second amendment right to gun ownership. It kind of makes me feel like I'm, I'm just, yeah. Following blindly people that I and don't like speaking. This for thing me. is
2: partisan now, right? This is part of Yep. And so, yep. And now people, people don't want, they just, their identities are wrapped up in partisan politics. Right. But the truth is, I think until people like us are ready to stand up and say, I'm not voting for that guy when he espouses the NRA conspiracy that I've heard. And you know what? Mm -hmm. That's you're going to by doing that, you're going to be saying, I'm not voting for that Republican. And I am going to vote for this Democrat. Like they're just, we shouldn't sugarcoat it. That's what's going to happen. That's very difficult. That's very difficult for a lot of people to come to. I get it. It's part of their identity. But until some of us are willing to stand up and care enough about the democracy, care enough about our rights Care enough about kids and schools, whatever. You're not going to see the kind of change or reasonableness that you want. You just aren't.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what can people like us do? I mean, uh, so we're we're the type of guys that were just interested in wild places and hunting. We stumbled across uh, BHA, and then we stumbled across the um, the veterans. Chapter of yep. BHA, and yep. we and we both we both just signed up. We're like, man, that's great. We want to yep. help uh, yep. protect these places from people like, um, for instance, uh, Governor Gianforte, who yep. is, um, you know, he's he's not
2: not a friend of wild places and wild animals. No,
0: so he's sure. he's he's taken all the rules that that uh, that we all follow, and he's taken a fire hose to him, and there's no more rules, and he's just going to make it up as he goes. And so yeah, well, he's um, going
2: to give it. He's going to give it to his rich billionaire buddies, is what he's going to do. But yeah, yeah, that's right. right.
0: And and so it's hard to argue with people uh so people like that, because he's made a good name for himself in his Gene Forty Foundation. So like if you're working for a nonprofit or anything connected like that, you kind of want to don't don't want to go up against him because he gives to both sides. He's given to good things. Um, but on the other hand, he really is, like I said, taking a fire hose to all of our all of all of the rules that we've we've voted on. And and he's just changing it. And he's he was he's wanting to. Um, and, and so our wild places are in danger because of him. So so what do we do? How can we get involved in um, like if I wanted to show up? And, and make a statement, or if I wanted to write a letter to a person, like what's where do, where do we go? Can we stick with the well? There's the BHA? a couple of
2: different, um, yeah. So BHA certainly, and I guess all I care, all I ask, is that which I think you guys are doing: stand up, be involved, and mm-hmm. vote your own self-interest. Don't mm-hmm. vote somebody else's self-interest. Don't get wrapped up in culture wars that people are trying to suck you into stuff. Mm-hmm. If you care about wild places, wild animals, and, and the sort of words I just heard out of you tells me that you do, mm-hmm. just stand up and vote for your self-interest. Be involved in it. And so there's a couple ways to do that. BHA is really good at that. Um, for those of you who don't follow Randy Newberg, the community of, around Randy Newberg, um, who lives in Bozeman as well, he's really good at advocacy. He's really good at getting people um, telling them how to get where they need to go to testify on bills. I've done it many times. Um, to write letters, to comment, to make calls. Montana Wildlife Federation, another great one that just, they're just in it for the wildlife, right? They're just trying to do the right thing for the things we care about. Their, their alerts are good. They tell you where to write letters. They tell you who to call. They tell you what commission. They tell you the talking points. And we live in, a, in, in this democracy. That's, that's the tool we have, right? we have the tool to vote and then we have the tools to influence mm-hmm. and if we care enough to use them then we should be using them hmm. okay cool. so i'm going to pu- i'm going to put
1: links to randy newberg uh, the wildlife foundation bha those will be down in the show notes and then also uh, Ryan, we'll put uh, a link to your your book on um, Audible or Amazon. Because yeah, Joe here is a liar. He said he read your book. Yeah, no.
2: He no. listened to it. Didn't he, he listened to it. I listened, <laughs> to, listened to it. To <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, oh,
2: you I, like my 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 tones putting you to sleep every night. Joe, that. I did. And d- d- you just no, have you, a very.
0: And by the way, you have a very monotone voice when you're reading. Because like talking to you, you're animated. You know. I was like, <laughs> well, this guy. So
2: I had to. I had to. Um, it was I good. I had though. to audition. I had to audition for that for that part, <laughs> um, and I'm not kidding. It was my book, and I had to audition <laughs> right. for it. I thought, yep. Now that, now that's some BS. I like um, it. <laughs> but um, they did make me audition, and I, I guess, um, I had to promise that I wouldn't go nuts while I was reading my book. So I, I held to that promise.
0: And well, it was very a- academic. I would say that's a better word for yeah. it—an academic yeah. tone.
1: Yeah. Well, and and Joe, Joe actually finished that book in I think two days. It, yeah. it wasn't mm-hmm. long. Every time I got in the vehicle yeah. with him, it was on. Like he, he it, it went, it went quick. That yeah, was good. Good, yeah.
0: good history. Good getting to know you. Yeah. Good. The whole story was nice and um, left me with more questions and wanting to get out there and find out more about how I can help now that I've, cause you've done a good job at like kind of pulling back the, the curtain and say, Hey, look yeah. at what's going on back here. Uh, I was kind of part yeah. of it too. So I'm not lying. Um, we yeah. need help. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. this is a beast that's kind of out of our control now. So we all need to know about it and get together.
2: That's what I feel. I feel, I mean, you used the fire analogy earlier, but like, come on, we got a fire burning, Airbag, grab a bucket here, mm-hmm. you know, like but let's put this thing out.
1: Right. Yeah. Because I, I I no longer want to say you know I, I really want to keep my gun rights, especially after what happened last week. Uh, well, yeah. week and a half well, ago we want, now. Look, like,
2: gun rights are great. I want gun rights. That doesn't preclude us from being responsible and making changes so that all of our so that all of our citizens can have their freedoms too. Those kids in Uvalde, I, their their freedoms are gone. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Those th- families, their freedoms are gone. Um, we need to care about those freedoms too
1: most importantly care about those freedoms if i if i knew that like whatever rule they they came down with whatever jur- you know whatever leg- legislation whatever they they came down with limited or made it a little harder for me to get a gun but children weren't going to be shot up a couple times a year in our country that seems like a pretty easy payment like just think
2: back to the school zone it is going to delay you thirty seconds. getting through town. Right. I think it's an okay sacrifice to make sure you don't run over kids.
1: Right. I'll, I'll so you,
2: there is a sacrifice when people say, mm-hmm. "I want to maintain my rights, but I don't want to, or you know, I want my guns and I don't want to, I don't want anything to change." Sorry, mm-hmm. not going to work that way. You are going to have to slow down in the school zone. Right. Mm-hmm. It, but 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 that's just not unreasonable.
1: It's like getting dressed in the morning. We all make time for that, but it would be much yeah. quicker if I just got out of bed and just ran to wherever I needed to go really quick with no clothes on. But we yeah. don't do that. Like we're in a society, yeah. and and we respect each other. And just like you said, we slow down in school zone. So uh, I've never needed a gun so badly that I couldn't even. A week. They're saying just a couple of days. Like let's let's slow this yeah. down. Let's like you know a couple day wait periods. So we make sure we have the right background check.
2: Remember, and you're going to hear a lot of pushback, and in the circles that we all run in, and mm-hmm. they'll 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 say something like, "Well, it really these laws don't matter to criminals anyway. They're going to do whatever they want." Okay. Uh, point of order here in the in that Buffalo shooting and in the Uvalde shooting, when did the kids both purchase guns? Right after they turned 18. Why didn't uh, if that's when it was legal? Well, why if if criminals will get guns whenever they want? Why didn't they get them when they were 17 and a half? Why mm-hmm. not 16? Why didn't they break the law at 17 and three quarters or 17? Uh, 17 years, 351 days. Why didn't they do that? They didn't do that. They followed the law because the law said they couldn't purchase them until they were 18. So right after they they were 18, they went and purchased them. If the law, I I am led to believe then, if the law would have said 21, they would have waited until they were 21. So don't tell me that just criminals will do whatever they want. I have two very high profile cases that just sh- shred that. Right, right, right there.
1: And and I've I've never been walking down the street. I've I've been offered I think maybe pot like just walking down the street, but never has someone opened up their trench coat and said, Hey, do you want an AR 15? Like you, it's actually kind of hard. And a lot of these school shootings aren't happening in the big towns where they do have maybe like gang violence and stuff like that, where maybe it, you could possibly see it's easy to find a illegal gun. Mm-hmm. I haven't ran into that in my average. I haven't looked for well, it.
2: Well, there's a concept in um, gun in gun violence prevention called time to crime. And that, and that concept goes something like this, that most most bad gun crimes the gun that the time to crime is actually quite narrow in other words the the person decides they want to do the crime they go obtain the gun mm-hmm. and the time between when they obtain the gun and do the crime is is quite narrow like usually a matter of days mm-hmm. and um and so these people that that say well you're not going to impact any of this like they're going to get guns no matter what well the science says that's just not true um that most people were like this kid in uvalde or like this kid in buffalo the time to crime was pretty dang narrow and so to to your point if you can slow down that initial purchase right you're going to slow you're going to rapidly impact the crime because they're they don't know where to get the guns we, we hear about black market whatever it, to your point it can happen it can happen <laughs> it it can, could have it happened can. in these two cases yeah. but it didn't happen in these two cases and right. so um and, and lastly i'll say we're not going to fix this, right? There's no perfect solution. We're going to do things that make it marginally better instead of doing things that make it marginally worse. And so when somebody says, well, if we do this, it's not going to fix everything. True, true, true. People still speed through school zones and there are still accidents. True. But we do things that make things marginally better. That's all I'm advocating for here.
1: Right. Yeah. People still drink and drive. People still, but like there's, yeah, there's, right. there's, yeah, I agree with you. There's not there's not going to be one answer. And they, they always say when you're you're creating a company or a new brand or something like that, the the perfect is the limiter of the good. Right. And it yeah. usually you're just waiting until you get that perfect thing and you're, you're not going to get there. But we could yep. make improvements that can save children. And that that's yep. the biggest thing. Like <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the most important thing out of all of this. And so, yeah, yeah right. I, I completely agree with you. And and This, especially as we Joe reached out to you and we were getting a hold of you, I realized that you're a you're a busy guy right now, Um, and so I
2: got a couple things got a couple
1: things going on, and and so to take the time, um, it's the most valuable thing we have, man. We don't know how much we we've got left, and you you've taken this time to sit down in your office and you had computer problems starting up and and being able to like just sit down with us and have a mature conversation, Uh, we appreciate that investment. Uh, We thank you for that. And so yeah, um, thank
2: you guys for uh, caring enough to have intelligent conversation and having me on and uh, doing your work. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Anything else you want to say, Joe? Nope. I just want to also echo the thanks and um, hopefully we can do it again. And if we're ever in Whitefish, maybe we'll uh, shoot you a message and say, hey, let's go Uh, uh, gunshot.
2: I'm always up for for good conversation. You guys take care. All right. Yeah, you too. too. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Ooh, should we do a wrap up? Yeah, we should do a wrap up. Now that he's gone, now that he's he's no longer on, he, he okay, hung cool. up, and so so I'm still recording here. And yeah, so what do you think about that, bro?
1: Um, man, he came out of the gate like right away, mm-hmm. and so that that. We we typically warm up in conversations. Our listeners, that'll be the most shocking thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: <laughs> like we were running a little late, and I know he's he's probably got back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, appointments,
0: and so he's like, yeah, we're getting down to business. Yeah, he's already doing interviews on the same thing, so he had it like right here. You know? Yeah,
1: we didn't even have any pleasantries. Just so you all know, before we hit record, it was like, okay, um, my computer's working now. Let's let's go. Let's do it. I'm just trying to respect someone's time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and with him writing that book and, and coming out... Um, yeah, and so we appreciate all of you listening. I hope this is a, a conversation. Maybe what I'm thinking is a lot of our listeners um, are kind of following either the journey that you're on or the journey that I'm on of of you know talking to people that have never been around guns. Mm-hmm. And both of us uh, have those people in our world, um, mm-hmm. and and this might not be as in depth of a conversation as you've ever had. Right, and so uh, I hope that uh, our listeners, and and we have them all over the world, but I, I, I hope you all kind of get a little bit of better insight that in, in a lot of politics that we have in the United States, there's a small portion that's yelling things that does not make up the majority of us that are actually rational adults.
0: Yeah, I think uh, 95% of what we hear is being said by the 1% extremists, that they yell the loudest and they've got time and they just want to do it. Um, We, we don't want to do that. But now that we, I mean, it's like, you don't want to throw a bucket of water on your chair just for no reason. But if the thing's on fire, yeah, I'm (laughs) going to get up, I'm going to fill up the bucket. I'm going to go and get the thing. So, because like I see the one percenters are just like throwing buckets of water on chairs that are not on fire. And right. they're like, hey, look, everyone, these are on fire. See? And then everyone's like, Oh, I guess they are. And maybe they're seeing something we're not seeing. You know, it's like that sales thing where they just keep repeating, repeating. And that propaganda is over and over and over. And we just got to, you, we all can be the, the voice of reason just as, just to have the courage to a really loud person, a really aggressive person, just to say, Hey, I, I don't agree with what you're saying and it's not logically correct. And if you want to have a conversation about it, great. But can you stop yelling? Cause my ears hurt.
1: Right, because think about the logistics, just the logistics of planning to take everyone's guns. How? Like, how, <laughs> how realistic is that, that they're going to, especially where we live, in Great Falls, Montana, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that they're going to send, I, I, don't, I, I don't even know, right? Like, if I make this up in my head, like, what, the National Guard? Yeah, who are you going to send? Well, the National Guard that's here in Great Falls are all of our friends, because yeah. we have the National Guard right here. So they're, they're all of our going. friends. They're people that used to be in my youth group. Mm-hmm. Are they going to, what are they going to going to knock on our door? I'm I don't not, I don't I just don't get the logistics it, of them taking our guns.
0: It would be like someone asking me and Brian to go around and knock on doors and just yeah. like, "Hey, we're here to take all your guns." Like, do you really think that And, we would and so
1: be- I, <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't think that's it. And and I know we've already stated this before, but but children's lives are at stake that that we'd, we 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 need to care about that.
0: That's true. Oh, you know what? And on the other hand, like let this take your guns thing, right? Um, and the people that are buying more guns because they don't want them to take your guns. Right. Like, what, what if you were a criminal and you had a 300 guns and the government was like, we're taking those. You're a criminal now. Do you think the number of guns you have has anything to do with them accomplishing their mission of taking your weapon? Because, yeah, I've, I've seen standoffs Whole big groups, you know, Texas, in Montana, maybe the Freeman, I don't know if they've ever had a standoff or anything, but Oregon, you know, yeah, there's been people that have had guns that say, Hey, don't, don't do the thing that you're going to want to do. And then the cops were like, okay, we'll just go back to what we were doing and we'll never bother you again. Nope. They, they, they were like, okay, well, I mean, you're going to pause us a little bit, but we're going to do the thing that we're going to do. We're taking that guy into custody. We're taking those guns. I don't know what happened to those guys. They probably got their guns back, though. I, I, I'm just guessing. So it's just, it's, it's, it's such a crazy thing to be worried about. Because on one hand, no, we have no proof that no one in history has ever tried to come and take our guns. Hasn't happened. The assault ban, the assault weapons ban was only a ban on TAC-9s and certain things to put on the AR-15. The AR-15 has always been legal, completely legal. Even with all the scary Democrats trying to take your guns every single day, they have been ineffective. Okay, so
1: well, and, and I don't know, I think they go over this uh, a little bit, but uh, there's, there's an understanding of like if you live in Montana, like you, you know a gun owner. Mm-hmm. If you're not one, you know one. Yeah. But if you live in um, Chicago, Washington, DC, any of the big cities we talked about a couple of podcasts ago in California, Seattle, Oregon, uh, Salt Lake City, there, there's a chance you can live your entire existence and never never see a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, besides maybe on TV, and TV is going to portray them not in a realistic way. You know, yeah. like any of the 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 cop shows you've seen and stuff like that. That's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you're going to us gun owners and people in Montana have a certain view, and we totally don't understand what it's like to grow up in in Portland, Oregon, never have seen a seen a gun except for on TV or Call of Duty or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a scary. Thing like like guns are a scary thing, and they're not giving up any rights because they 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 don't foresee, and have never experienced a time in their life where that that's a thing that they want. Yeah, right. It, it's not a T-shirt. We all understand what a T-shirt is because we have them everywhere, mm-hmm. but but guns aren't everywhere, and so this this becomes a uh, a, a difficult subject because there's so, there's such a large portion of our country that that has no affinity to or need for. And mainly just a fear of guns, yeah. And then and then we think we ha- they have an irrational fear of guns because it's perfectly normal to have a, a safe gun owner. Like like there's there's million, hundreds of millions of them. Mm-hmm. Perfectly normal to have a, a safe gun owner. As is, uh, it, it's it's perfectly. Per- sorry, trying not to get too too sidetracked there, but. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's, it, it's perfectly normal to have a safe gun owner, and they don't understand that because everything that they run into in their life is is a news feed of another mass shooting.
0: Oh, yeah. Or, or
1: TVs or games, right?
0: Or they saw the latest Matt Best song about buying all the guns <laughs> in the world and, <laughs> right. and firing AR-15s two at a time, and then the second you pull the trigger, uh, and supermodels' um, clothes fall off. So while funny and popular, and I get it too, ha, 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 um, I, I think that Matt Best is doing some evil work. Like he's, he, he's just a goof that was in the military. And when I was in the military, I knew goofs like him, that all they wanted to do is sit around and make videos, which is what Matt Best did. And then he got really, really good at it. And, and he, he took the people that, um, cause there's the, the two sides, right? And that's the one thing I, I forgot to get into with Ryan is he tells a story about the, the, he was firing, uh, I'm not firing. He, he was holding a, um, a marksman event or some gun enthusiast event and so all these hunters and they're writing they're writers about uh, hunt, about hunting and guns and stuff like that so they all come to his ranch or his dad's ranch and um and then some other, oh, I can't remember this guy. He, he he like brought his own AR-15, and it was like everyone stopped, like, what he when this 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 new young guy brings out his AR-15. He's not trying to like start anything. He's just like, hey, this is the gun I'm using. It's pretty cool. And then right then, the, he got surrounded by all those older guys saying, and sh- they shamed him. They wagged their finger at him and said, "You put that back in the case. That is a ugh, we don't use those guns. Those are terrorist weapons." And so like. Like, how do you think that felt when they were telling him that, you know? So he's this young guy, maybe he served his country, maybe he didn't, maybe he's just into hunting, I don't know. Um, But he just wants to have a gun that he likes. And instead of sitting him down and saying, hey, let's talk about this, they shamed him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, so Matt Best is the champion of people who have been getting shamed just for liking what they like. They don't know that they're starting a fire of, you know, gun craziness. They're just liking what they like, and they well, don't well, want to be made fun of.
1: Yeah, and that's definitely not his intent in making that video, right? Like he's just trying to be no, no, no. He's and, he's and he's, he's their leader.
0: He's he's like, hey guys, this is cool. Don't let people make fun of you. This and, these are cool. There's nothing wrong with them. People that say that are dumb, and you can just be yourself and, Go and have fun with them. Yeah, but
1: none of us are Matt Bass, who you know I'm assuming makes. Quite a bit of money and try millions, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, um, and and also the training that he's had with those guns,
0: being ex special forces of oh, some sort, right? Um, but all that training, oh my god, that, the training that he had would, if he followed it, he would never be able to make you, you, one you, of those yeah, movies. Wouldn't make any of those <laughs> so, videos. so, so it is, so like, it eh, is. He's it trained, is. but his attitude is—he has a shitty attitude. It's a stupid little kid attitude towards guns, and he's he's just like beating his chest like I'm um, special forces you you old guys are dumb ones and it's just this argument and I just want to get to the root of that argument like young guys and Matt Best they're not dumb they're not they can like what they like it's cool man but Right there we should have a conversation about what the older hunters are talking about. Like let's talk about it. Let's not shame. You know, like I because I don't like Matt best, whatever. Maybe I do. I think his stuff is really funny. I'm not trying to get down on him. But I just think that he's part of a a movement that's because I, I feel like it's being born out of shame. Like they're tired of of older people saying, Hey, you can't use those guns because you're a terrorist. And they're like, you know, that's I'm not a terrorist i i I feel more comfortable as a vet with this weapon mm-hmm. um and and you shaming me makes me want to wear it around town right Do you know that right right, about? right right right. so what you're doing is not helping and also know?
1: the 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 hanging on to freedom at all costs or yeah you know, uh, so so like I'm free to do this. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, and anytime you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong, you're trying to impede my freedoms. And my so freedoms. it goes back to like the, the argument of, of having, having speeding zones, right? Like mm-hmm. like where, where you That's go a through a example. school zone. Well, okay, yeah, I get it. You're, you are free, but we aren't. We can't drive around naked at any speed that we want while drunk. Okay? It's true. Unless, Even if we wanted to. Unless no one's watching. And, and I guess you are free to do that. Yeah. Nobody is actually at your home giving you a breathalyzer and making sure you have clothes on and there's nope. not speed limiters on our vehicles. Yeah. So you can speed, mm-hmm. you can do it naked mm-hmm. and you can do it drunk. You're just then going to get in trouble for
0: it. We just hope you get caught. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we we, do, we really do. And so so I I think it's it's having some of us just say wait a minute. It's 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 not giving up on our freedoms. It's putting responsible rules in place yeah. so that idiots or or um, I don't want to say idiots but idiots it, it is idiots that do shoot up schools beyond a doubt oh okay. but like yep. we need to put rules in place that make it more difficult for idiots to be free idiots that's yeah. why we have speed limits that's why we have regulations on free market yeah. like mm-hmm. like that's, that's why we have so many of these rules is so that we we can in our freedoms not harm each other. And that's what, I, that's, that's what I always boil things down to, is you're free to do whatever you want to do until mm-hmm. it hurts someone else.
0: Yep. Your, your freedoms should naturally have limits on them, where mine begin.
1: Exactly. Because I also exactly. have freedoms. So. And, and so I, I guess I just want to shout from a mountaintop, and people, people know this, mm-hmm. children are dying, we should do something.
0: Yeah and and just uh, you you said it in passing and I just want to uh, note it not that you were trying to you know give facts or anything but you'd said um the um that there's a couple there's a couple mass shootings a year here in America. I did some research and there's one a day. There's I mean not specifically a day but if you do the average of how many happen here it's it's one a day. So I mean there's bigger ones and there's smaller ones but I mean if you really pay attention to the news and then go look at the numbers and and go back through the years and look at the look at the numbers of just well, the number of mass shooters, you know, there, well, there was a bunch of them. And I, then... Go ahead. There can't be one mass shooting a day. On average. So, let's say there was two in a day. I'm just saying. like, Look up the numbers and then go compare those years with the times when the assault rifle ban was in place. And just see what the numbers say. Okay, I'll have to... So, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm not, yeah, I was going to say, that just sounds... Doesn't it sound weird? So it's like, if it sounds weird, look it up. Let me know yeah, if I'm, I'm totally to, wrong. I
1: have to like look that up, and we can Does address this. But, it, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to over exaggerate when I was saying a yeah, couple yeah. of years. But That's I what just, I'm saying. I, I, I just feel like to. since about the time I graduated, no, not, not graduated, got out of the military, you know, oh seven ish. Since about then, it's we've just been on this. This I can use. I can use their words, slippery slope to more and more mass shootings. And then they're in the news for less and less time.
0: Or maybe I was saying, um, I'm going to look this up real quick, just so we know, because maybe on average, it's one child a day dies. And so
1: that, and that's, that's I yeah. think is what, what makes more sense to me, is on, chi- uh, on average, one person in a school dies from a gun thing a day. But a mass shooting, there, there, yeah, there hasn't been that many. But, but we have had more than any other country We've had more mass shootings than any other country in the world. Um, by by a, by, like not a small margin.
0: Like, if we have, like, let's say we have a thousand a year, the entire rest of the world has one. You know, like it's it's right, crazy, right?
1: And 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 so in that case, I'm not. I, I know that there's going to be someone or maybe a couple people, okay. really thinking that that Brian now wants to take away freedoms.
0: I am <laughs> absolutely for our right to bear arms. Okay. So um I could be right actually my my so this is from the Washington Post and there've been over 200 mass shootings in 2022 so Def- far. What's what's the, the
1: definition of mass shooting then?
0: Oh okay. I think it's three or more has been yeah okay well three or more <laughs> yep. Uh mass shootings where four or more people four. not not including the shooter so usually 5 if they kill themselves are injured or killed have averaged more than 1 per day so far this year. So shootings not not children dead shootings have been oh, averaging okay so oh, okay so not
1: not I guess we're, we we so are kind a bigger of number. we are kind of like confusing those terms as far as school shooting and mass shooting not mixing them together. Mass shooting just being any time mm-hmm. an idiot takes a gun and kills more than 4 people at one time.
0: Yes, they don't. Not it all of these have to happen, at, happen at an elementary right.
1: school. Because no. there is that one that happened uh, at a movie theater
0: that, that hit the news. Um, there were seven hundred mass shootings in twenty twenty one. So more than more than one a day. More than one a two a day. And two a day. Yeah. So around yeah, roughly so, two a day. So that to me says, whoa, that seems like a lot, doesn't it? Before that, incidents had not topped four hundred annually. Um, and the Gun Violence Archive only started in 2014. How is,
1: how is this a number that we're okay with? When, when, when this latest incident happened, this is the one that hit me for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it hit me harder than any of the rest of them. Because the next morning I woke up and my, my, my wife took my daughter to school. And, and I thought, man, I don't know if I want my, my daughter going to school.
0: Because all, it, it just, it just kind of so happened that the uh, Muvaldi police were so terrible, like oh. so terrible yeah, that, we didn't even that get into every that. single yeah. argument that someone who is on the side of like, we need more gun rights and don't, don't say anything about our gun rights, like every argument that they would have was completely shredded. In the Uvalde shooting, like good guys, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I used to go, hmm, that sounds, that sounds okay. Now we know it's not true. We because, absolutely know it's not true. Because all of those good guys with guns that sat out there for ninety minutes. Yeah, the the so 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 um so I think the the thin blue line is going to get a little bit of work here. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, and you know all those thin thin blue line people on my Facebook. I don't know about any anyone else's Facebook. They're all demifying those cops. They're like, those cops are terrible. And I'm like, oh, what happened to, what happened to Thin Blue Line? What happened to those are heroes, and, and heroes make mistakes. Um, all that's gone because that argument is, was, was terrible in the first place. It's not logical to have um, armed police at, at a school because, we well, well, why not? Well, we just saw it doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. And, and we can't blame it on split-second decision-making because it was over an hour and 20 minutes that parents were getting maced and, and taken into custody and then getting out of custody and then going back in anyway. So they had all this time where good guys with guns were standing around with their hands in their pockets As going, going wow, that's a, that's a scary gun in there. I don't. We've confirmed that he has a gun. We know he's in there, so what they did is they call it, we've contained the gunman. That's what the chief of police was saying. Like, well, we've contained him. He's not an active shooter, bang, bang. He's not an active shooter, bang, bang. And I'm like, um, where's all the good guys? And since, okay, so let's say that none of these are good guys, oh my gosh, they're all bad guys. And they're just dressed up as cops, which is what somebody said on my Facebook. Well, they're bad guys dressed up as cops, they're cowards. Nope, they're cops with immunity. So, nothing's happening to these cops. Nothing. I, I will be surprised. I will be so surprised if I see any one of these cops get any actual administrative punishment. Like, they might resign, people might hate them, but what disciplinary, uh, what, what sort of discipline Can the administration that is supposed to govern cops, what are they going to do? And do they have any tools to do it? Or is it that, well, we want cops to be completely immune from everything, and that's what we voted for? Because I would vote against that. I think cops are humans, just like us. And when humans make mistakes, I think we should be able to correct them.
1: Well, and and so what happened here in Great Falls is the day after the shooting in Texas, every school was on lockdown—
0: because we thought of a, it was because
1: a... somebody made a threat in passing, that, you know, somebody said somebody has a gun, right? Like, mm-hmm. like some, and so, so now not only, um, do do I. Do I fear what could possibly happen to my daughter? Even in small town, Great Falls, Montana, how are we any different than Texas? Mm -hmm. It's got to be close to our sister state, right? Yep. American flags, gun ownership, hunting, like like, uh, lots lots of similarities
0: to Texas Mm -hmm. besides the weather. And do you remember what happened with that school shooting? Or not there wasn't a school we, we we were worried and the school was on lockdown that there might be someone with a gun walking around. And so we were all afraid. We got these emails and these text messages and we we're like, Oh my gosh, what do we do? What's happening? And the police were not not very good about telling us what was going on, and I heard I have heard no reports except for maybe I saw one mom on it was a. s I haven't confirmed this, but she basically was saying, Shame on you. You you terrorized some kids. Like I guess I guess they cuffed a kid and put him on the ground and it was his last day of school. And the kid was just, just didn't have a gun. And I told either. my wife, I was like, I would have been that idiot in high school.
1: Yeah. Taking that a that gun. has, that has, well, not even taking a gun. Just, just saying, I, I saw, you know, some like playing a prank on this guy, but you're not mm-hmm. thinking of in, in high school. I had no, I had no understanding of other people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I was, a, I was a very selfish person, uh-huh. and and most of my thoughts were about popularity in girls, and so uh-huh. like me making a joke about someone having a gun, which back in my day is totally different than making a joke now, but I, I would have made that joke, not uh-huh. thinking that it's going to affect every parent in Great Falls, Montana. I wouldn't have that wouldn't have even been a thought. Uh-huh. It'd have mainly been like, I'm totally going to be able to throw a party in a week now, because yeah, everybody's really cool. going to know my name. You know, yep. like, something like that. And I would, would have had no, no care. Not because I'm insensitive or anything like that. It's because I'm just so pumped with hormones. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, like, it's the first time that my wife and I have had, like, we've always, like, in passing, you'll have little discussions about homeschooling or private school or whatever. The, the, the conversation has shifted now mm-hmm. to, like, yeah, we should homeschool. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, <laughs> we, we can't guarantee... Um, that our kids are going to be protected, and we can't guarantee that our police officers or sheriff's department has been properly trained. We cannot guarantee that because we keep seeing evidence, um, over and over again that that you know these, these groups are not properly trained, and I we see reports that the same. Companies go around and train this, these departments. So I mean, there's just so many layers. And to this. and then
1: and then you see the last couple of years in our country and, and we should probably roll this up. But yeah, we'll talk all day. Yeah, we'll we will talk all day. But the last couple of years in our country, it's it's been all about division and and separation and then and then getting people to feel secluded. So I just think about my poor daughter. Who for the last two years couldn't see people's faces because they were they were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. School would get shut down randomly because somebody was irresponsible and, and got sick and and uh vaccine or no vaccine and now like monkey pox and like mm-hmm. like there's just there's just this always it feels like there's this new thing to try to just seclude us more on our phones and, and devices in our home mm-hmm.
0: to be fed full of bullshit. Mm-hmm and fear. Yeah, it's, um, and it's tough because, you know, I've actually tried to engage with um, the school system and you've tried to engage with uh, the local police and sheriff's department and, and we're just shamed. You know, I, I go in there and I'm like, hey, I noticed as a person, um, I've worked in online schooling before, like I worked for University of Phoenix, Ashford University, and I know a lot about online schooling. And so when I was engaging with my own kids and saying, hey, how's your online schooling going? I noticed some weird discrepancies. I was like, "Okay, well, this is weird." So I called their teacher. He verified, "Yeah, we don't—they don't teach us this. This isn't very organized," and blah blah blah. And so I went to the administration, and I was like, "Hey guys, this—what's what's going on?" And they basically told me, "Well, uh, we didn't—we didn't really think about it all that long. We did put a committee together, and I will back up that committee. They are full of amazing people. They were just like—they told—they—they they gave me this huge long um, speech about how smart they were, how experienced." they were, and how how it was not appropriate um, for me to question anything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm questioning some very basic things, and I want to know how to help. And I basically got shamed out of that office, you know, and I won't I won't name names, but it's the school administration. You remember when there was all that um, big hoopla over um, a new levy, and like, why won't everyone, why won't Great Falls vote for a levy? Well, well, this is it, because we engage with the, uh, the school administration, and we see the results of their efforts. And both of those things combined equal, they're not doing a very good job and I don't think they deserve more money. I think they deserve less, if you want my, my opinion. Um, until we can build trust again. Invite me back into this meeting room. Treat me with respect. A- act as if you care about my opinion. Ask,
1: I- act as if you were one of those board members.
0: Yes. <laughs> I mean, so act, yeah, act as if I'm part of the good old boys club that's gonna meet you at the boggle game. Okay, this is a close-knit community. I know how it works. I know that everyone's a friend of somebody's friend. I know that you're not gonna say that because you don't wanna upset that person. I just think that all that needs to stop because we've lost grant money, People are going out of business. We're losing amazing workers to other cities because of the, just the grime and the corruption and just the, the egotistical nonsense that goes on. Like, we're citizens and we're regular people. We should not be shamed because we just won't go in there and, and, and shout, you know, whatever Trumpisms or Bidenisms. We just won't go in there and shout. We want to have an actual conversation where we feel respected because we respect you with our tax money. Well, and, ju-
1: and just like Ryan was saying, like that's step one. Is like, uh, I think, needed. I think, Sorry. I think we <laughs> I as American it. people need to stop taking teams and just say, like, I don't, even, I don't want to say stop taking teams, and we're all on the same team, but, but we are. Like, there's not too many Americans that don't want us to be free. I know that there's radical people that say that, but like, that's uh, what makes our country great. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our flag does stand for something.
0: Mm-hmm. Stop changing it, by the way. Suckers. It already stands for something. And, and
1: so, can't we just like? That sounds like a country song right now, but like, can't we just like have like real conversations face to face with people, not making comments over Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but but be able to have like real conversations that we care about children, we care about the future of our country, we care about freedoms. Yeah. And and we're not going to sacrifice those freedoms, but we will put rules and regulations around them so that idiots. Okay, last thing. In Iraq, the first time I was over there, we could literally—it it was war, right? Like mm-hmm. 2003, we we were in full-on war. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that deployment, it, it shifted into uh, uh, whatever they called it, right? Like like now we're just kind of trying to put new government in place here in Iraq. Yeah, right? It was like
0: six months of actual war. I yeah, it yeah. wasn't.
1: It wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. And then and then they removed us that did the war stuff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and said, "Yeah, you guys." you can't just keep shooting things and people now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put somebody else in here that hasn't gone through this war stuff. And, but then a year later we were back. Yep. And yep. when we, and when we came back, um, we, we had what's called rules of engagement uh, yeah. and we couldn't shoot unless shot upon. Mm-hmm. And our biggest argument for that, like we didn't feel that we could be as safe when we initially got over there. We're like, we used to just be able to shoot anything if we were scared. Mm-hmm. And, um, our initial argument was, well, we can't tell the difference between an enemy and a stupid person Mm -hmm. because we'd be in these Humvee convoys and the dad that's driving his family around isn't paying attention. He's yelling at the kids in the back. He's trying to change the radio station and he's coming up and he looks exactly like a car bomber Mm -hmm. and you can't tell the difference between the two. Rules and regulations though saved that family's life because... A year prior, someone would have shot that same vehicle up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that rule and regulation, they're free to drive. We're free to, to I don't know, run, run our security operations to try to oust the bad people. Yeah. But like we have those rules in place to save families. Because yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to face the day that, that I chose to kept my, keep my daughter in public school and she doesn't come home. Like I don't want to have that day. Yeah. And there are parents that are facing that right now.
0: Yeah, there are parents who are going through that unimaginable thing. The thing that we can't even bring ourselves to consider um parents are experiencing. Like and I can say that losing a I mean, from experience, losing a, a child is the worst. I can't I mean I've I've gone through some bad things. Not the worst. I mean I'm not this isn't a game of who had the worst life, but losing a child is something. It changed me forever, from who I was to who I am now and and it, it, um,
1: it changes your, every engagement you have from that point forward.
0: I, yeah, so for, for the rest of my life, I knew that, I know that this is a, a possibility. Young, young, beautiful children um, who have never done anything to anybody um, can, can and do die. All the time, and in this country, there's already been 27 school-specific shootings. I just looked that up; it's on NPR.
1: Yeah, that's all I'm looking at on your phone. That's sitting right next to us.
0: And I was like, "So, so, I, I guess I want to say, let let's let's talk, okay? Let, we need to stop this division. Stop make stop taking one little thin line out of our beautiful flag and changing the fucking color, okay? It's red, white, and blue." No more thin lines. All lines, all stars, all colors, one flag. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Just an American flag? And that's also, uh, sorry, I mean, I'm getting a little heated because, like, I was, in, I was in the Marines. And even though I'm a laid-back musician now, there's a part of me that's like, you respect that flag. You, You respect it. I don't like the police making it blue, I don't like the firemen making it red, it's thin, it says division to me. That's all I see is you're scared and you're divisive. We, we already support you guys. There's something called tax money, okay? And you have immunity. I mean, how else do you want to be supported? Do I just have to go, I love all the, all the first responders? Like every day, I do. I love you guys. Please keep doing it. I love cops, I love firemen, I love EMTs, I, l- I love everybody. I, I, I did it my, I was in the military. I know what you guys are going through. I know it's a hard, hard job and I appreciate you. Just stop making weirdo flags. We're all in this together.
1: Well, not, yeah, that's the fir- one of the first things they teach you is how to respect
0: the flag and it's never defacing it. It just it, it just <laughs> looks like a bunch of Nazi flags flying to me. They're like, hey, everyone, we're angry, we got guns, let's go to war. This is the team I'm on. Yeah. I don't like it. It's not going to work. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. And that's, you know, some of you have
1: have, uh, have those stickers on your vehicles uh, as, you're, as you're listening right now. And it's not to shame you. You may have a, a, a police officer that's, that's a relative of yours or a close friend of yours, or you just really want to show your support. But, like, I think all of these things that we're tricked into create division. Yeah, you've been
0: tricked by and somebody. So,
1: so it's essentially not to shame you. It's just to say, like, let's not have division. It's not all cops are always great all the time because that's not true. And my nope. grandfather is a retired sheriff and uh, uh, sheriff deputy, and like I, I respect the hell out of police.
0: Yeah, sure. But I mean, the they're not
1: all good. I respect the hell out of clergy that that work uh, in nonprofits for little money. But not Mm -hmm. all of them are great. We've realized that over the last 20 years in our country to find out what they do to children. And Mm -hmm. and so essentially all I want to say is stop hurting children. Can we please just keep them safe? Because they can't vote. They can't take part in any of these angry, angry, uh, they they just listen to what we say and we're putting them in danger.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're, I feel like we're, it's just like this topic. We don't, like there's, how, how often do you sit down with a friend and talk gun rights? and then talk murdered children. And then, t- you know what I mean? So this is... Both Brian and I are really... We're really... Oh man, we're much more animated. And... um on edge than usual the, the, because it, I, and the, I hope that comes through because yeah.
1: <laughs> the campfire that we brought you around today is more of a bonfire Roar. and it's
0: it's roaring but these are honest feelings that we yeah. all have and should express I mean yeah. hey if, if someone wants to express like well Joe I don't like the way you express that well get a podcast <clears throat> I'll listen to it bro or send me an email I don't know I'll, I'll read you yeah yeah we'd love to have interaction on this um,
1: so definitely engage with us on Instagram what I do want to say is everything that we've said after Ryan Boosie got off yeah is not endorsed by Ryan Boosie he, um, no he, we he had that. no opportunity to retort to that he may not with as busy as he is he may not even listen to this podcast later uh, we'll send him a link but like yeah we just want to say that none, none of that stuff was endorsed by supported by or anything um, by him those were just our rantings and ravings and, and feelings coming out almost um, should have been and, another podcast yeah we could have done me. a Gosh. whole separate podcast but that's yeah.
0: and maybe we will maybe we can separate them out or whatever but um, be warned that if you have these conversations with your friends and family, that this could happen. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. might get up and get all emotional. But then take a breath, realize that that's what's happening, and get back to logical, rational thought. I love, I love my brothers. I love my sisters. I love all humans that I live around and and need need me, and I need them. And. I want us to figure it out. I, wanna, I want to lift up the good, and I want to squash yeah, I wanna, the bad.
1: I want to I see our country turn around and yep. be what I remember in high school of, like, we feel safe in schools. Yeah. It's free. We're, num- we're number one, right? Like, yeah, like, like whatever. Like but, like, like this, this, this patriotic <laughs> feeling of loving yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. from and, the, and, and your neighbors. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we even feel safe to go ask our neighbors for, for a cup of sugar anymore, right? Yeah, it's true. Like, we just run to the store.
0: The most patriotic thing we can do is engage. Yeah. And if it's uncomfortable, that, well, that's what it's supposed to be. You know, the people that signed the Constitution, they were the Federalists and they were the Anti-Federalists. And those Anti-Federalists, they're heroes too, man. They, they, it's just an argument. It's always a conversation in America until we can come to some sort of agreement on how we're going to survive in this forest.
1: And and to understand that where where Joe comes from, where I come from, it's due to... Um, the The environment we were raised in, grown up in, worked in, the books we've read, the podcasts we've listened to have all brought us to this feeling. And wherever mm-hmm. you're at in feeling after listening to this, your life has brought you to this point as well, to feel however you feel, whether good, bad, or indifferent um, about what's been discussed on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We, we've all lived the human experience. And so I, I respect, no matter how you feel after this podcast, I totally respect that. That like you've had your experiences to lead to there um, and and Joe and I aren't 100% right
0: no we have opinions at, at all
1: like this is all this is all opinion
0: and we do some research you gotta admit come on bro. <laughs>
1: Jeez. a little bit Ma- mainly just off the cuff for me I just yell at <laughs> everybody and get heated I just want kids to be alive mm-hmm. that's mainly it anyway we love you guys. Uh, check the show notes for, for links to everything uh, Ryan Boosie and then also the ways he said to help out with the Wildlife uh, Foundation, BHA, Randy Newberg. Uh, you can look at all of those things. I think we'll even put a link. Uh, Joe wrote down the, the shotgun
0: name. Yeah, I'll try to look it up. And
1: so we're going to try to look that up so you can also click the link down there and, and look up the gun that he was talking about so you can see what that looks like, His his quote-unquote favorite hunting gun. So interesting. Um, yeah yeah it's interesting. yeah, it's pretty cool and um, and then also don't forget that we do have a Patreon, and we put uh, content up there for all of you that that support us um, not just in listening and sharing, but also with money out of your wallet. Well we give you great content back. and yeah. so if you'd like to be a part of our Patreon, that's also down there. Click that link. Uh, give us less than a Netflix membership a month mm-hmm. uh, to keep this thing going keep our lights on we got to pay rent today yeah (laughs) so oh yeah that's right yeah got it so uh so anyway we love you guys i've been brian i've been joe we'll see see you next show. show